Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. The Celtic video collection was launched in 1991 by Terry Cassidy, the club's CEO, and volume one covered July to October and included the introduction of new manager Liam Brady, and two big-name signings in Gary Gillespie and Tony Cascarino. By the time Volume 2 came along, Celtic had already lost two of their opening five league fixtures. Unfortunately, one of them was at the hands of bitter rivals Rangers when they beat us 2-0 at Celtic Park. There were more changes in Collection Volume 2 with the arrival of Tom Boyd in a swap deal for the flop Tony Cascarino. And big defender Tony Moga Mowbray came in from Middlesbrough. Other changes were afoot as Paul Cooney moved from his dental reception area to the secret bunker under Celtic Park. There were other moves, this time in the boardroom at Celtic Park, with Kevin Kelly being named as the club's chairman. He provided an interview to the Celtic Collection Volume 2. And the big thing for me looking back on this is that there's a tremendous painting behind them. It's a centenary painting, and I do wonder if that's still at Celtic Park. Kevin Kelly's tenure was ultimately a failure, and this was the beginning of Celtic's downfall behind the scenes. My grandfather was the first captain of the club. 
became a director, became chairman. The late Sir Robert Kelly was my uncle and he was chairman here for many years and was tremendously successful for the club. And I'm delighted to take over now after the run that Jack McGinn had. And as you know, centenary year was his year and we won the double. So if I achieve something like that in my time, I'll be absolutely pleased. You were always very close to your Uncle Bob. Very close all years and he was such a powerful person, not just in Celtic football circles but in the SFA and the league as well. So he was a great administrator, great foresight, great vision and a supreme optimist I would say. And on the park with Liam Brady in charge now and you'll be hoping that uh, with someone with his reputation in European football that the club will grow on the field, the most important thing? Well I think you all recognise that Liam Brady is a top quality person. I mean he's played at the very highest level and has a great grasp of the game and I think his style of play is what Celtic are looking to achieve and I know already he's beginning to formulate his plans and one of the things he has done is initiate another youth policy. We've always had a reputation of rearing our own players but it's imperative now with the financial restraints that we have more and more Celtic boys coming through. When I'm looking back at this footage, I love the old advertising boards as well as the styles within the terraces. But what is interesting is we play Aberdeen and we play Dundee United. Aberdeen beat us 1-0 and we beat Dundee United 4-1. That was really in the midst of uh, Mikey Galloway coming into his own. It ended up with him getting an international cap and what was probably his best spell in a Celtic jersey. But look at the crowds. They're giving us 28 and 36,000 for the aforementioned games. But there's hardly a pocket uh, within the, the vast terraces of Celtic Park. And once again... Uh, it's all down to the boardroom looking at that crowd which was probably 60 or 70,000 in many cases and putting it through as 26 or 28,000. One of the players who was emerging under Liam Brady at this time was young Brian O'Neill and you'll remember O'Neill as being one of the heroes of the under-16 team that went to the World Cup final for Scotland. They were defeated in the final by Saudi Arabia. Brian O'Neill had scored the winner against Portugal at Tynecastle in the semi-final and he'd finally broken through to the Celtic first team and the Celtic collection uh, joined him for an exclusive interview. I think it's just that little bit qu- quicker, you know, you've, you've, you've got to be that l- little bit quicker in your thought and that and uh, there's always some, somebody there to clatter you if you're not uh, quick enough, you know. Did you model yourself in any particular player? Not at all, no. Uh, you've got pl- players that you always uh, see, he's a great player, I like him, uh, they look at him, you know. Uh, but I've never, never ever sort of re- really had a model player, no. You've kept your feet very firmly on the ground, Brian. Is that difficult at times, coming down after, say, a big match against uh, Rangers and Aberdeen or Hearts or whoever, and then you go out maybe with your mates later uh, at night time? I don't really, really think it's hard, hard to uh, sort of come back down, especially I mean, with the people in the Celtic dressing room, and also my family. You know, I've got a big family, so they're always quick enough to bring me back down to earth. You're in the first team, and in the first team squad, very much a squad, obviously, at Celtic. What's your ambition? Ambition is just to keep my place as long as possible, and then who knows, you know, who knows. <laughs> There's a great spirit in the dressing room. Do you feel that things are about to turn for self? Uh, I feel with the football that we are we are playing right now, we're not uh, as maybe, maybe some people would say a typical Premier League team. We create and we always try and play fo- football, which is a big difference. Uh, there's been a couple of top of the table games be between other teams and they haven't been good games at least when people come come to see us they'll always uh, they'll always expect us to, to try and play f- football which is important I, I think 
Are you aware that you're an example then to young players coming through, that someone is coming through the ranks? In these days of million pound players being bought from elsewhere. Really, I, I think I'm, I'm prob probably even just following on from a couple, couple of players like uh, Mark McNally, Jerry Craney, Stevie Fulton, uh, etc. You know, uh, there's, there's that many, many players I've, I've came through the, the Celtic ranks, so I'm sure there's plenty more to come. Celtic were certainly trying to compete with Rangers in the transfer market. And when we dipped into that market, it was the English League again uh, where we brought in Tony Mowbray, £1 million. He had captained Middlesbrough and been down there for several years. It resulted in a testimonial game against Celtic by the time he had actually signed for us. And of course, the Celtic collection were there uh, for the unveiling. He was on our list of, uh, of candidates at the beginning of the season and I'm well pleased that uh, we've got him now, even though it's taken till November. I think he's uh, the kind of player that's going to be very useful. He does his own job very well, and I think you'll find that he helps other people around him do theirs better. One of the best things about this series was when the Celtic collection took us behind the scenes, behind the curtain, into the boot room, the dressing room, the training ground. And on this occasion, they took us into the Celtic View offices and we spoke to Donald Cowie, who at that time was the editor. Look out for a young Andrew Smith as well, who became the Celtic View editor. It just shows you how provincial the club were. Uh, Pravda had been running since 1965. I think at that time it was about an eight-page um, tabloid-style newspaper. And when asked how they were going to improve and develop the content, uh, it was interesting that they thought a quiz and a crossword was going to be the answer for that. But watch this content just to show how far content creation has come since the early 90s. Good afternoon, Celtic View. Win, lose or draw, the Celtic View reports on events at the club every week. It was Britain's first football club weekly when it was founded by Jack McGinn in 1965 and now has readers worldwide. But how do the staff feel about being described sometimes as football's equivalent of Pravda? Editor Donald Curry. I would answer that by suggesting that uh, while the Celtic View does tend to to the party line in editorial content, A, that is not unreasonable in that it is a Celtic football club publication and therefore obviously will promote Celtic Football Club's outlook on any aspect but at the same time um, the paper includes a letters page and um, that provides a forum for those who maybe disagree with aspects of the way the club is run and even the way the team is run on occasions and I would defy anyone who has read the paper uh, studiously over the past two years to deny that all these topics have been raised and have indeed been answered by a club spokesman. Um, progression is inevitable. Uh, it's, it's sometimes hard to look at a product and spotlight what can be improved, but certainly we have plans to add to the, the present contents of Celtic View. Uh, these, we hope, will include um, use of full-colour throughout the paper instead of just the, the four pages as we have at present um, and we're looking at uh, the possibility of changes in design and inclusion of slightly more offbeat features, um, a children's section, uh, a quiz, a crossword, these sort of things which will broaden the appeal of the view and uh, we hope to be implementing these in the uh, forthcoming months. Just a couple of years after Celtic launched the Celtic View, 
We won the European Cup 1967. It's etched in the memory of every Celtic supporter. And this is a bit of gold dust. Watch the upcoming interview with the man who scored the winning goal against Inter Milan, Stevie Chalmers. This is worth its weight in absolute gold. Um, it's coming up to 25 years since Celtic won in Lisbon. And we speak to the man who scored that goal. Do people still stop you in the street and, and talk to you about the great days with Celtic, and in particular scoring the winning goal in the European Cup? Well, that, that, that's the, the most the, the question that's most asked. You know, how did it feel? I mean, obviously, anybody that scores a goal in any game, be it a cup final or any game, uh, but to be the European Cup final, it's just something special. What happened after the match? Uh, after the match, well, none of us knew where Billy was in the first place. Uh, we were all in the dressing room, we didn't even know he was away for the cup. We only saw that in film. Uh, after the game, um, we had it a few hours with the wives, uh, and then took them back to the airport, and thought, right, we'll get back to the hotel and we'll get a, a wee refreshment, a wee bit of celebration. By the time we get back to the hotel, everybody's tired, couldn't get a drink anywhere, uh, it was back to bed. It was almost an anticlimax after the game. After the game was an anticlimax. I remember one official uh, saying, oh, it's like a match for you, I think we'll get beat here. Couldn't get a drink. <laughs> What's your one abiding memory, if there is one? Uh, I think the homecoming is when we, we returned here to Glasgow and uh, seeing the, the streets lined up to the park, we're on the bus and I have never saw as many grown-up men crying. And it was just tears of joy, you know. And then coming into the park here and the place being full of spectators, it was just absolutely terrific. 25 years on, do you think it's been an unfair burden on the players of recent years being reminded of the success of the, the 60s and 70s teams? Well, that, that is a possibility. Uh, it's, I would like to think it, that it should lead the other players, the younger players now, to say, look, how would we like to do this, you know, and I, and I step forward for them. One of the most interesting takes from Stevie Chalmers' interview was that he thought the Lisbon Lions should inspire the current crop of Celts to do something in Europe. But we were miles away from being a European side, and the Celtic fans knew this. We spoke about it through the pages of fanzines such as Not The View. And before long, there was a street movement called Save Our Celts. Fair play to Celtic. They covered the inaugural meeting at Shettleston Halls. Throughout the winter months, there was growing discontent among many Celtic fans about the running of the club. One of the first public displays of concern was at a meeting at Shettleston, organised by the Save Ourselves campaign, and attended by Chief Executive Terry Cassidy. Many quarters have uh, expressed some surprise at, at uh, Terry Cassidy's agreement to come here this afternoon, and I've uh, likened it to entering the lion's den. I'd like to ask Mr Cassidy, first of all, if Liam Brady's ability to compete in the transfer market will be hindered by the fact that he's got huge sums of money to raise to build a proper stadium that Celtic fans deserve. As well as trying to raise money for a stadium, people also forget that once you've got it, it needs maintaining and it needs running. And that will need, need an awful lot of money as well. So what we're trying to do is to... Um, keep the two issues separate so that when we finally got the stadium and that's financed however it may be financed that um, traditional monies i.e. monies that come through turnstiles monies that come through uh, the sale of Celtic products um, pies, chips as well and all the rest of it um, that they can be they can be um, kept for 
really the two reasons why you run a football club. And in my book, you only run a football club for, for two groups of people. One is the supporters and the other one is the team. And if it can be um, arranged that that's the way the finances are, uh, then the stadium issue and the cost of the stadium issue will have no effect on monies available to the manager or not available to the manager. What qualities are necessary to be an effective director of a football club? Well, what you've got to do is start asking, what, first of all, what kind of a football club? Because there are football clubs which are run by one man. And that one man effectively does what he wants. And any directors on the board do as they are told. So if you want that sort of a football club, it doesn't matter what qualities the directors have got, they'll just do as they're told. If they don't do as they're told, they get removed and you put somebody else on. If you want to talk about um, a football club which is run as a business and is structured as a business, then clearly the criteria needed by those directors uh, are the same ones that you would look for in industry. The directors of major companies like ICI or any other major company. So it depends what sort of football club you want. It's already been said by somebody here today at the table that pretty much all football clubs are badly run. And I would think uh, I wouldn't disagree with that too much. But perhaps what somebody might do is to give credit for Celtic for trying to break that mould. And maybe we are trying to run the football club properly. But turning around the QE2 is harder than turning around a rowing boat on a park lake. And I think if somebody would give us a little bit of credit for what we're trying to do, and as I said before, talk's cheap. Um, if I don't do what I'm paid to do, then I'll get fired, and that's the way it should be, because that's what I'll deserve. But I can't, and nobody can, take Celtic Football Club from its present problems and overnight make them into a highly successful football club. But that is the objective of Celtic Football Club. I believe, as already said down here, it's the objective of everybody within this room. We are united in that, that we're all here for Celtic. It's certainly the objective of the board, and it's certainly the objective of people like myself, Liam Brady, and everybody else that works within Celtic Football Club. Now, there are some familiar faces in the crowd at that meeting. We actually have a Celtic state of mind, the full unedited video uh, of that particular meeting. But after a couple of meetings, Save Ourselves was disbanded. Do you recognise anyone in the crowd? If so, leave a comment in the comments field underneath. I did say earlier, fair play to the club for including this meeting. But actually, when you watch the footage, Terry Cassidy controls the narrative. He spends more time than any other individual on this video, including the goal scorer that won us the European Cup in 1967. Another familiar face around Celtic at that time, but one who didn't really look for the limelight, was physiotherapist Brian Scott. And again, there's a feature on Brian where he's treating Peter Grant in the treatment room and he gets an interview and he comes across as a great guy. It's a shame that he's no longer at the club and that his time came to an abrupt end when Martin O'Neill was in charge. Now, another thing that this video does is it takes us behind the scenes at Barrafield. Check out this modern training facility. Injuries to key players made it impossible for Liam Brady to field anything like a settled side. And Brian Scott became one of the busiest men at Celtic Park. Yeah, we've had a particularly heavy spell, um, you know, games and injuries. And um, every game is throwing up another injury for us, you know, one sort or another, whether it's with the first team or the reserves, or even with the, you know, the under-18s or the 
to a lesser degree the under 18s. Do you think the extra games are taking its toll already? Yeah, I feel it is. Um, you know, talking to the other physios with other teams, and they're experiencing similar uh, predicaments to what we are. Um, the only saving grace is with having larger, you know, player pools here. Um, it's slightly easier on the players because there's some players that are actually turning out in games where they're no absolutely nowhere near fit, and you know the the chance of them breaking down in the game is very very high. You become a familiar figure on and off the pitch during the games, but anything unusual, anything daft happen over the years? Yeah, uh, it actually happened here at Celtic Park when I was with Aberdeen, and uh, Bob Rooney was the uh, physio at the time and nearly was running on you know treating injuries and it happened just on the uh, just on the halfway line there was two players two Celtic players went down injured so nearly went to one and I went to the other and I saw so running up behind this guy and all I could see was the sort of curly hair and um, I mean he was, he was lying in a heap I didn't know for certain who it was, it was either John Doyle or David Proven, I, and I really couldn't tell who it was, the way they were all crunched up. So uh, as I got closer, I thought, oh, it's Doyle, and I said, um, so I goes up and says, come on Doyle, I'll, I'll, you know, let's see what's wrong. And David told me, I'm not Doyle, you know, and he was <laughs> screaming and shouting in my face, you know, I was really quite taken aback with it. Um, so then the next thing just stumps up and says, ah, my leg's okay, and he went off, you know. That's but, the fastest day we've gone Ah, you're right, you know, he still gives me a stick about that. Every oh, it's funny though. Thanks to everyone who wrote to us to say how much you enjoyed the coaching tips in the last edition of the collection. So here's some more from the assistant manager, Tommy Craig. You've got a constant change of pace. Right, foot pass, just direct the ball back to where it came from. If he doesn't shout for it, don't give him it. Got to tell you he wants it. Well, throw it hard to his chest. Throw it hard. He's got to control himself in his chest, Stuart. This one's basically designed for giving the goalkeeper a little bit of handling, but also incorporating the player's passing. The first pass is supported by the second player, and the goalkeeper is also getting a touch. Nice foot passing. Redirect with your side of your foot. Good. You're basically talking three things here. The actual pass, the support for the pass, and the fact that the goalkeeper is getting a bit of work in the meantime. Good, good pace in the first pass, good pace. It's pass, support it, play another pass, ready for the next one coming in, good. You're probably noticing in, in this routine in particular that we're trying to keep the pace of the, the exercise up. And part of the part of the reason for that is to do with the, the nature of the, the Premier League. Because it's played at such a, a hectic and frantic pace, we try and gear our training towards the same kind of pace. 
it's not how everyone would like it. There are times whereby it's, it's, it's maybe better to watch, whereby the pace is, is dropped and you get maybe more better passing flowing movements. But as I say, such is the nature of the Premier League. But, uh, we, we try to gear our training towards the same kind of pace. How many of those youngsters did you recognise at Barrafield? Raymond McStay was in there, younger brother of the maestro, as well as Jim Slavin and Brian McLaughlin. One of the best things about these videos is definitely the exclusive interviews. And future manager Tony Mowbray, uh, after his injury, was uh, interviewed by the Celtic Collection. Check out the quaff and also the vintage Umbro training gear. Tony, how are you feeling now that um, you've been at Celtic for a few months and um, hopefully the injury over now? Uh, how do you feel? Well, just looking forward to it, really. It's um, been a frustrating couple of months. Um, but, I mean, on the plus side, I've sat and had a good look at Scottish football and, and what it's all about. And um, I'm quite confident I can face the challenge of, of getting back into the side after my injury and um, just looking forward to doing well and, and, and hopefully the club doing well. Is there a difference coming to a club like Celtic from Middlesbrough? Middlesbrough, an area where they're passionate about football. Mm -hmm. It's the same in Glasgow, but maybe even more so. Yes, I'd say more so. I think um, obviously there's, there's more Celtic supporters and there's Middlesbrough supporters, and also the, the rivalry in the city with um, with the Rangers as, as well maybe intensifies that, that you know passionate support. But um, I mean, I'm lucky to have played now for, for two clubs with where football, you know, is almost life and death to people, and, and, and that and that important, um, which is what the game's all about. I'm a passionate football supporter as well as, as a player, and. Um, Hopefully I can do justice to the supporters. You said to the fans when you came, don't compare me with Paul Elliott, I'm a different kind of player, but you must have been impressed the way the fans took you to their hearts immediately. Yes, very much so. It was a, I know it's a case of me as a player of just trying to reproduce what I've been doing for 10 years at Middlesbrough and not to add any extra frills or not to try and con people to say I'm a player that I'm not. Um, just to do what I'm good at, which hopefully is, is attack the ball in the box, get it out away from danger. And if, if people take to that, then that's, that's, that's good by me. One of the biggest issues around about this time for Celtic was our performance in the transfer market. Tony Mowbray probably was the only £1 million plus signing that went on to actually provide and contribute something tangible to Celtic. We also got Tom Boyd, of course, in a swap deal, incredibly, for Tony Cascarino, who had left by the time Celtic crashed out of Europe 5-2 to Neuchatel Zamax. Now, that's a game that, surprisingly, the Celtic collection failed to include in this particular video. But what they did include was a brilliant interview with future captain, Tom Boyd. Tom Boyd hopes to repeat his Tenant Scottish Cup success, this time in the hoops. Last May, he led Motherwell to victory at Hamden. And after a spell at Chelsea, he joined the club he'd supported as a boy. Yeah, well, the first I heard... Uh, it was a true, it was a couple of days uh, before I signed where the manager spoke to me and he says there's a chance if you want it to swap, have a swap deal with Tony Cascarino uh, and then it was all subject to me coming up and talk to me and Brady. A lot's happened in just nine months, ten months since you lifted the Scottish Cup with Motherwell. Did you think you'd be back playing in the green-white hoops so quickly? No, definitely not because uh, you said I'd signed a five-year contract. I wanted to make that stick. I'd like to have stayed down a few years, but uh, I think we had a chance to, to come back to Scotland and play for Celtic, who I did support when I was younger, uh, and then the wife to get back, and it was a big factor. 
and yeah, I was just delighted that the chance arose. Did you enjoy playing in the English First Division? What was the difference, Tom, between uh, the Premier League and the First Division? The, the, the main difference, I would say, is that there's a more better quality of player. Uh, there's more of them. Well, and up here there's not so many, but down there there's a, there's a lot more quality players. Uh, I wouldn't say the game is any slower. Uh, it's just, uh, I think, as I said, there's more quality of player. They give themselves more time in the ball. But the game's just as quick down there. There's not a lot of difference to that side. But just a quality player, I would think, would be the main difference. High quality and calibre of player here at Celtic. A very big pool. Yeah, uh, well, I know uh, the standard. I, I knew other names. That helps to settle in. Because if it was a supporter, you, you watch what they're doing. Uh, and I know the quality of players. Yeah, John Collins, McStay, Brian. Yeah, they're, they're all comfortable in the ball. Uh, and if they can just continue that. And they're on a good run at the moment to, to hopefully bring success at the end of the season. You come in a long line of successful Motherwell players to Celtic, Dixie Deans, Joe McBride, Brian McClare, Andy Walker and now Tom Boyd. Yes, uh, well, uh, as you say, I had a bit of success with Motherwell when we won the Cup, so I want to get success here, it's been long overdue. Uh, Celtic, I think, you know, we had two seasons without a trophy. We don't want to make another third, we don't want to make another third, we want to go on the left at the Scottish Cup at the end of the season. Undoubtedly, the most bizarre section of the Celtic collection is coming up. It's Gordon Marshall, Celtic's goalkeeper, cutting the hair of the presenter, Paul Cooney, whilst talking about his second employment, which is as a hairdresser. Can you imagine Celtic's goalkeeper having to make a few quid on the side, cutting hair? This is a video here, and as I say, rather bizarre. Gordon, when you signed for Celtic, did you believe that uh, in February you'd be the regular first-team goalkeeper? No, I thought I would have to wait a long time. Uh, I thought it was going to be either Packy getting arrested or getting injured. I had no idea I was going to get a chance so early. A big difference coming to Celtic and playing in front of such a big crowd. What about the Celtic supporters? They've been good. Uh, I don't think they've had anything to shout about yet. So, yeah, they've been good. They've uh, encouraged us when I went out for the warm-ups. Uh, they've applauded when I've done the right thing. And they've kept quiet when they've done the wrong thing, so it's been quite good. And how do you combine it with uh, cutting the hair? I believe often after training, as you're doing at the moment, uh, you've got some of the players in here. Who do you have in the list? Uh, I've got a few guys in the list. Uh, Big Bat's one, so uh, it's quite good. Uh, it's all good publicity for me uh, with the hairdressing business. And uh, they have no complaints so far with the things that have been done. The boss is another one. Uh, Mike Martin's just already given me a shout, he's wanting a wee... That'll be a quick haircut. It won't be, but <laughs> <laughs> he spends that long telling us what he wants, then uh, I have to decide then what I'm going to do. Mm. What was your most difficult moment, Gordon? I suppose you could say, what was your closest shave during your time in the first team? It has to be the, the Rangers game. It was McCoyst. Marshall came to meet him. Keep his hands on the ball though. But, uh, picked myself up and uh, we lost another goal, but I think uh, that one was uh, the killer for us. Celtic attack so often it can be difficult for the Celtic goalkeeper to keep concentration. Um, do you have any special routines that you do during the match? Yeah, well I've asked Parky and I've also asked Joe Corrigan about how do they manage to keep themselves concentrating throughout the game because they don't get much to do, meaning Parky. Uh, when he was playing. You maybe only get asked upon once or twice in a game. And they've told me some small routines and that just keep yourself occupied. And uh, they've worked so far, because a few of the games have had nothing to do until the last five minutes and managed to do them.
Overall, this video collection is really enjoyable. If you can track down the copies, uh, you can probably get them on eBay for a couple of quid each. There are four in the collection, but it only ran for four volumes because the supporters were becoming increasingly disgruntled. This was an attempt by Terry Cassidy to engage with the Celtic fan base, but we weren't believing the hype. It only ran for four series, and after that, there were massive changes at Celtic Park. We're going to cover Volume 3, Volume 4, all these other videos in front of me, and indeed, the entire collection of 60 VHS Celtic videos. If you enjoyed this particular section, like the video, comment underneath, subscribe to the channel, and join me again for the Retro Celtic Video Club. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.